This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our show in which I'm joined by a guest to talk all things Arsenal. And for today's episode, I'm very happy to be joined by Rambo FYI. How you doing, mate? You good? You well? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm very well. I imagine you're very, very, very well, like most Arsenal fans. Yeah, it's not been a bad start to the window, in, in fairness, which is a nice change for Arsenal. Uh, it, it's usually sweating and pain and frustration and impatience. All of those things amalgamated into one horrible mess. But that's not been what we've seen from the start of this transfer window. It's been very different indeed. Uh, for those that, that don't know you, do you want to just give a small background for those that, that may or may not have seen some of your stuff? Well, I uh, I had a YouTube channel. I used to do uh, a lot of Liverpool-related content, a lot of match day content. I've now sort of changed into the media world. I host stuff for Sky Sports, for BBC. don't want to sound like I'm just sat here name-dropping. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I work across cricket and football. Um, yeah. I also i am a big Liverpool fan. However, I would like to say, and I don't know if Tom is going to agree, I'm one of the more reasonable Liverpool fans. Um, <laughs> I watch a lot of other teams. Uh, I, I, my job, so um, yeah, that's my brief overview. Without going too much into, I work for. Uh, I work for. Uh, I work for. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I was actually going to name drop a little bit more for you because you looked like of all the Liverpool fans who went to the Champions League final, you had more fun than any of the others. Um, in fairness, so yeah, that that seemed like an incredible trip. Was that? probably up there with kind of best days of your life that Liverpool have lost sort of thing? Um, I think so, yeah. I was yeah. Uh, yeah, I was incredibly lucky to play with uh, one of the legends of the game the day later with PlayStation. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, what happened after was unbelievable. Um, to, yeah, I mean, 
Kaka's a nice guy, no? He seems oh, like mate, a really nice guy. He's yeah. absolutely incredible. He's also very decent looking. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> he, but no, honestly, it was it was incredible. Obviously, Liverpool lost, and I was gutted. And then the next day, mm. uh, I actually got the last minute call up because someone else dropped out. I wasn't actually meant to be playing. Oh, wow. so I've had a back injury, um, mm. and then I basically took a load of uh, legal pills, obviously, um, yeah. <laughs> and then rocked up the next morning. Uh, and then the guy who was meant to be playing in my position, I got to play in his position, which is right back, which is obviously the position I play as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, then second half, Kaka comes on to our team. And then uh, I think it was a one, two, three, four, and a no-look assist. And then he also celebrated because <laughs> like, he absolutely loved the goal. So, yeah, mate, it was an incredible weekend in the end. Yeah, yeah, it looked it looked a brilliant, brilliant trip with some fantastic uh, moments that I'm sure you'll cherish uh, for quite a long time indeed. Um, but anyway, let's let's refocus and and get round to the conversations today. Thank you for everyone that's tuning in. By the way, I appreciate your time as always. Do drop a like on the video. Help, uh, thank you as well for helping us reach 34,000 subs. Really appreciate that My guy. as well. Um, but yeah, Arsenal uh, are as you said in a pretty happy place uh, right now. Gabriel Jesus, you released a. A video through your TikTok and Twitter channels about that signing, and you seemed impressed with it. Although you did kind of question whether he would start for the Chelsea's, Spurs, and Uniteds of this world. So talk me through kind of your thoughts around that signing. Well, it's interesting because I think at the end of last raid of last season, uh, United fans, Chelsea fans, Tottenham fans were all saying they'd have Gabriel Jesus in a heartbeat. I think you mm. tweeted earlier saying nobody actually. Everyone's now sort of going, "Oh, Arsenal got the one that nobody else wanted." I don't think that's true at all. I think Gabriel Jesus is a, a very underrated player. I think he's played. He started ninety nine games for uh, City, and he's got fifty three goals and twenty three assists. So he's going to get goals and assists. The one mm. thing I was sort of leaning towards in the conversation that I was having on TikTok was that is he the finished article, which I don't think he is. But then in reality, who is these days? I think there is a lot of players now around the world where they can have six or seven months at the absolute pinnacle of the, uh, of the game for, for a season and then drop off, which is completely normal. Hmm. Um, I think overall, it's a very exciting signing, mainly to suggest the direction Arsenal are going in. They've just bought uh, a player who's played over 20 games for City every season practically since he's been there. Um, I think the expectation on him will probably be, can you go and get us 20 goals, which I think is unrealistic. Um, but I think overall, to get someone for 45 million from Man City uh, and also a profile that's worked under Arteta before just feels mm. like a really good fit. Yeah, I think the the profile, the pressing in particular, is obviously something that Arteta demands so much from his players. And having someone that's going to be able to do that a lot more than, say, Alexandre Lacazette was able to do is going to significantly step up. I mean, this, one of the stats you pointed out, the amount of, you know, the conversion rate doubling that of Alexandre Lacazette, that's going to bring so much. And I see one of the big criticisms that's kind of out there is that he only scores tap-ins. But when you watch Arsenal play... That's the main type of chance Arsenal tend to create is those, you know, close proximity shots. And is there really anything wrong with just scoring tap-ins? I, mean, I, I, I saw the tweet go viral and it was like, he only scores tap-ins. Do you remember a memorable goal of his? Something like that. Mm. And my immediate impression was, no, I don't. But uh, mm. I remember Ruud van Nistelrooy scoring one goal against Fulham from the halfway line where he took on six players. Um Apart from that, I cannot remember a single Ruud van Nistelrooy goal, but he mm. still scored over 100-plus Premier League goals. Same for Jamie Vardy. I don't remember a single one of his goals, bar the one where he put it across the hairs. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> Liverpool, yeah. Um, but yeah. generally speaking, 
I don't. It's, it's such a weird thing to go after a go after a striker about is yeah. he doesn't score memorable goals. In my opinion, if my forward's scoring goals, I don't care if he's scoring them with his neck, with his chin. And it's the same yeah. for Arsenal. One of the things I talked about in the video was um, Arsenal create a lot of opportunities in the six-yard box. I think your XG was sixty-nine last year. I think. Mm. Um, and you scored 61. But equally, when I looked back at a lot of the goals, you weren't scoring a lot of goals in the box, not in the six-yard box. And I think mm. Jesus will give that, will add that to um, what um, you guys already do going forward. And with the creativity you have of Martinelli and Saka, Erdegaard, Emil Smith-Roach, I don't know what's going to happen with him now, Fabio Vieira. Um, mm. He's going to get chances and he's going to score goals. Yeah, and that's what Arsenal fans, all we can hope for is from the strike that we bring in is that they add those goals that Arsenal desperately kind of needed uh, to the team. Um, the the entire model that Edu and Arsenal are looking to to kind of go through, it's it's taken time and it's, you know, nowhere near completed and it's costing also a, a hell of a lot of money. You know, this summer could see Arteta's spending tip over the £400 million mark um, this summer, which is, you know, a significant investment when you consider that the other teams around us, you know, United have spent 300 million, I think, in the last three summers. Spurs have spent, I think, 400, sorry, it's the other way around. United have spent 400 million, Spurs have spent 300 million, and Chelsea have spent 350 million. So it's not deviating too much from what the teams around Arsenal are spending, but it's the way that Arsenal are spending money now that's so different and, and so improved upon years and years of poor decision-making from a recruitment perspective. 30-odd million spent on Mustafi, 40 million spent on Xhaka, you know, 2016 to 20 million spent on Socrates. You know, these types of deals just never did anything. And whilst Aubameyang was, you'd look back on him as a very good player for Arsenal, we spent 60 million on him six months after we spent 50 million on Lacazette in a system mm. where we only play one striker. It's these decision-makings, and we replaced, you know, Alexis with Aubameyang, which was never really a like-for-like change and we forced Aubameyang to play in an area that wasn't necessarily getting the best out of his performances so it's now we see with the signings of the likes of Tommy Asu and Ben White and Ramsdale and um, even the, the smaller ones like Nuno Tavares and Lokonga you know smart signings not a lot of money but are definitely going to give you profit beyond mm. anything else when you sell them which Arsenal haven't done because we've been paying off contracts and then this summer you know the signing of Fabio Vieira came out of absolutely nowhere really exciting 22 year old Portuguese talent you, you speak to a Portuguese experts and they rave about this kid as being a guy that with more of a higher ceiling than possibly even Bruno Fernandes so mm. it's it's all talk but it, it sounds great but how do you kind of measure Arsenal's plan and where you see it when you look from a Liverpool perspective and say oh, is this kind of got the feel of something similar to what Liverpool did. I think the, the thing is like Liverpool's model is really unique in a lot of ways whereby like Liverpool's spending only began because of Coutinho's sale. That was like the the moment where Liverpool decided they could spend money and I think even to this mm. day the board actually doesn't want to spend money. Um I'm not against that idea at all. I think if it works then it works. Um do I think Arsenal are going down a similar pathway, potentially with the players you're recruiting in the sense of you're actually plugging gaps where you need to? You needed a new keeper, you went and got Ramsdale. You needed a new centre-back, you went and got Gabriel and also Ben White. Um, you probably, well, you needed a right-back, you got Tamiyasu. You probably mm. still need a centre-mid. That's one area where, I, I, I mean, you got Thomas Party, but his injury record at Arsenal hasn't been great. Um, and then you've got Odegaard, who... I, I personally think might play a little bit deeper and I actually like him playing deeper, but that's a yeah. personal preference of mine. Um, but then you need a striker. You went and got one. So I think the the big thing for Arsenal that you haven't done previously, like you just alluded to, is you've bought players that you actually need. I think previously you've gone into the market and gone, 
he looks cheap or he looks like he could work for any team. Let's just have him and just see if we can fit him in. Um, I think that starts from the top in, in the sense of like Edu and Arteta clearly have an identity. They clearly have a plan and they clearly know how they want to execute it. Then you've got to bring in the profiles that allow you to do that, which is what they are doing with the signings they're making. Um, and then I also really like the stance on William Saliba last season, which a lot of people didn't. Um, mm. I really like the stance on Aubameyang, which a lot of people were split on. Um, and those those big decisions have allowed Arsenal to now go, well, if we're going to go and get Gabriel Jesus, he's got to fit the idea of Arteta on and off the pitch. So in mm. that sense, I think it's quite similar to Klopp and what Liverpool have done. In terms of like the, the way the money is spent, I think that's just so difficult to replicate because Liverpool have always had assets to sell to then be able to fund their next move. Um mm which I think Liverpool are sort of moving away from a little bit as well, but not too far. Um, Arsenal still are in a situation where, if I think about Arsenal's like top player, Saka, if Arsenal saw Saka this summer to fund the rest of these deals, then I would say the model is very similar to Liverpool's. Whether that would work for Arsenal, I don't think it would, because when Liverpool got onto the buy-to-sell model, uh, sorry, sell-to-buy model, they already had a lot of other players in positions, so they were two or three away from competing. Arsenal are still... a three or four away from competing. So um, the model, the idea uh, in terms of the players coming in is similar. In terms of whether the money's being used in a similar way, I don't think it's overly similar. Um, but personally, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've been Arteta in since the day he got the job. So to see him getting the yeah. players that he actually wants, it is just it's a delight for, from my perspective and also I imagine for Arsenal fans as well. The, the big question around Arteta, and I suppose from a Liverpool perspective, you know, Arsenal want to get there. That's where Arsenal want to be. They want to be, again, challenging for titles, back in the Champions League, all of that stuff. But as a Liverpool fan, does Arteta threaten you as a coach? That's a hell of a question. Um, Arteta does, but up really? until now, Arsenal haven't. And that that is why I go like, if you give the best builder in the world the best tools in the world, he mm. has the potential of building the best house in the world. But if you give sure. the best builder yeah. in the world NAF tools, he's going to build you a house as best as he possibly can. I think that's what Arteta's had to deal with up until now. Um, and so, like, as a coach, he threatens me because I'm like, on on his day, and, and it has been proven, Arsenal have turned up against Liverpool. And earlier this season, well, now last season, they turned up against City and absolutely deserved more than uh, a 2-1 loss. It should have been yeah. a draw, at least. I think there's signs there that say... Arteta, with the right type of profiles, with the right players, can turn Arsenal into a consistent side, to a side that wins games. Um, the big argument always is, well, last year, Arsenal beat Chelsea, Everton, United, I want to say, right after losing to Brighton, Southampton and Palace. Yeah. Um, and that's the stick that everyone's hitting him with. I don't even blame Arteta for, for that run. That, to me, screams young players who are going to be inconsistent. Um, injuries that Arsenal had that meant he wasn't allowed to play players that he wanted to play yeah. uh, and when you had a fully fit 11 Arsenal I think went on a seven or eight game run of uh, winning games so um, that's why I feel ever so slightly threatened by him but for Arsenal to reach where Liverpool and City are right now is that's still a long way to go what? Because you went from a case, where obviously the 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 season when you went on a tight run under Brendan Rodgers finished second um, and the famous slip obviously mm. but that that was kind of thrust through the SAS situation. You know, there yeah. was so much that carried Liverpool through that season. But then there was obviously the dip again. Jurgen Klopp comes in, drags not drags, but you know, culminates all of a lot of work to get back into the Champions League and then adds 
what was the what was the main catalyst? Because everyone obviously points to Allison and Van Dyke as the two key mm. signings, but is was there far more than just those two that turned Liverpool into a side that looked like a missed opportunity team in that Brendan Rodgers era to a team that is now considered one of the best two teams probably in the world right now? I think it was identity. I think from like the get-go, Klopp had an idea and the idea then transcended into what the fans believed in. And before mm. long, there was almost like this touch of delusion from Liverpool fans where you'd lose... Sorry, the West Brom thing was a perfect example yeah. where I think the game finished 2-2 or 3-3. I can't really remember. Yeah, and all the draw. players <laughs> yeah, all the players did the hand thing. And, and Liverpool fans were like, I love to see this. When in reality, we all knew, sat behind our sofas, sat on our sofas, don't know why you'd sit behind a sofa. Yeah. <laughs> well, after a 2-2 draw to West Brom, you might. Yeah, you yeah. might do, yeah. <laughs> uh, you sat on your sofa thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. But it built the idea that like we were building towards something. Um, I think that was the difference. Obviously, signings-wise, we bought in Mane, Matip, then a few dead rubbers, then Salah, and then came Alisson, Van Dijk. Um, in between that, we had Robertson as well. Um, but I don't think there was ever, ever particularly a moment or a, a player where I went, that guy is going to win us the title, or that mm. guy has turned us into contenders. It was something we were building towards. Now, the big thing for me last year with Arsenal, and, and I'm sure you'll agree, was you had to get top four. Um not getting top four was for me like a, a bit of a um missed a bump, opportunity yeah and a, a bump in the road because i think there's no mm. way a side will go from fifth to first i don't honestly not in the no, current of climate of the way the league is um but you can go from fourth to second and then second to first but fifth to fourth is probably one of the hardest positions to, to actually climb and i think you had it you literally had it. That that, that yeah, is yeah. where the frustration must have been. You must have watched last. It was season Newcastle gone. loss away. That, it, that yeah. was the difference. Yeah. So when you didn't get fourth, did you think, ah, oh, we've got that whole process all over again of chasing fourth all over again? Yes, uh, in short, because you know that, as you said there, that the step to go from fifth to qualify for the Champions League is is a ginormous step. It's like um, I used uh, the example of saying the gap from like GCSEs to A level is a bigger <laughs> gap than going from A levels to degree level. You know, the, the gap's just so big, and it's mm. kind of that with going from fifth to fourth is harder than going from fourth to second in a way. It's strange, but it's it's just the way that there's so many competitors, there's so much money being thrown at that obstacle that it makes it so hard. And yes, mm. I was really disappointed and it was a missed opportunity and I was gutted because I feel it was ripped from us through misfortune of injuries and, you know, some silly mistakes on the way and silly results back across the season, like a loss at Everton. Like, who lost to Everton last season? That was a joke. Like, if you lost to Everton, we managed yeah. to do it. So, and then obviously smashed them on the last day when it didn't matter. Um, but I feel also like that fifth place, when you compare it to the fifth place that Unai Emery got in his first full season, it was a completely different position. That was a fifth in which Arsenal was still regressing, you know, and you saw that when he was sacked when Arsenal were eighth and then Arteta took over when we were in 11th. Whereas the fifth place we got last season was definitely a fifth place that was building towards something, building upwards and progressing forwards. And you can absolutely see kind of, Arsenal recruiting this summer in a way that is going to give them a side that isn't just full of you know 22 year olds mm. because we're targeting Jesus and bringing him in we're looking at someone like uh, Rafinha as a potential you know prime Premier League quality player 
although Chelsea are said to be coming in for him at the moment and there's a, there's going to be a race and a competition for that, that will test Arsenal's metal this summer. And if they don't get Rafinha, the test will be, well, who are they going to go for instead of Rafinha? Mm. Are they going to go for a, a someone young or are they going to continue on this trend of looking for those mid-20s players to make an impact? And then you've got someone like Lissandro Martinez coming from Ajax, potentially, who's a real kind of aggressive character with so much versatile quality. But all of those things combine to give Arsenal a foundation to really build towards something again next year. But next year for Arsenal will be a measure of Arteta. And if, say, he fails to get Champions League next season, the, the knives will be out for yeah. Arteta. And do, is, do you think that's a fair kind of position to have if Arsenal don't qualify for the Champions League next season? He's had his team now. He's got his team. Yeah, I think that, like last year for me, it was he's got his 11. This year will be he's got his 14 or 15. Um, And when you're at that point, I think if he doesn't get fourth, you then have to start to think, if I gave that type of money to someone else, would they have used it better? Now, I don't think the signings, sometimes you can buy all the right players, but you can't get them to work in the way you want them to work. Mm -hmm. So I think now he's buying players that are his profile. He's working with Edu, he's clearly close with. And Arsenal were close to fourth last year and it just didn't quite work out. So you can kind of go, okay, last year happened. It just didn't quite happen. didn't quite materialize. These things happen. It's football. You can use that excuse one year. I think if the following year you go and finish fifth again or you finish sixth and, and the excuse is, but Chelsea spent X amount and X spent X amount, you then have to start to go, well, actually, he's had his time. He's had quite a few windows and we're not asking for a title. We're asking for fourth. Um so I think the, the pressure is more on him for this upcoming season than it has been previously. But that is quite natural with any manager who spends money. The worry for me is you've got Conte across the pond who's getting all the players he wants. And Conte is a master at like a one wonderful season. He could turn Tottenham into top three this season, um, which I know Arsenal fans are going to absolutely hate me saying, especially considering this is an Arsenal <laughs> ch- uh, uh, channel. But if he does that, then you go, there's only one spot between Chelsea United and Arsenal. Um, and then it's like, well, are we asking for a miracle? Because if Chelsea go and spend 200 million and United will mm. spend some money at some point, um, that's my worry. That's yeah. why I was like last year, if you clinched fourth last year, you make these signings, um, but you have the feeling in your head that you're fourth, you're competing in the Champions League, we're progressing in the right direction. It's whether that um, is there now, despite finishing fifth. I don't know. Obviously, you're an Arsenal fan. What is the mood like with Arsenal fans? Are you Arteta in? Are you Arteta out? Or is it still like sort of right in the middle? Yeah, so from my position, like when we got knocked out of the, of the Europa League by Villarreal and Unai Emery, in that moment then, I was like, I can't see how Arteta turns this around. You know, I can't see how a change... I don't see how any other team keeps it. You know, mm. finishing eighth getting knocked out by your your predecessor in a side that, you know, we should have beaten in the semi-final of a European Cup, the opportunity to take you into the Champions League. If that was Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Spurs, whoever, you know, I feel like all of those teams get rid of the coach. And so at that point, I was like, a change of coaches is the right move for Arsenal to make. We didn't. And so, you know, I went into last season with saying, look, we've not got rid of him. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We had a really what I thought was a, an impressive summer window with the the amount of money that was spent, the players that we brought in. And I didn't expect Arsenal to be in a top four race last season. You know, I mm. did not expect them to be, at the end of the season, one win from making it. It sucked in the end that we didn't get it because it felt like a missed opportunity because of how ahead we were for so long of it. But, you know, that season did change my mind on Arteta. That season did kind of 
give me encouragement that okay, this this guy's doing things that Arsenal haven't done for a long time. He's identifying mm. positions that we need to improve in. In centre midfield, brings in Partey. At centre back, brings in Gabriel and Ben White, and is now looking like he's going to keep Saliba at the club as well, which is another big thing. You know, this summer was all about the striker and managing to get Manchester City's. Gabriel Jesus, you know, and bat off competition potentially from Chelsea and Spurs and Juventus that were all said to be interested, you know, is impressive. And, you know, that that gives me encouragement. If we go out and manage to get some more signings and the Fabio Vieira one, I don't understate at all. I think it's an exciting one, but obviously we need more. Um, it's only going to give me more encouragement that he does seemingly know what he does. And, you know, hearing from your perspective as a Liverpool fan saying that Arteta does threaten you, you know, I think a lot of Arsenal fans just off the back of not really knowing the position of others, won't necessarily say that other fans from the top two would say that Arteta threatens them. So to hear that, I was a bit surprised. But with the way you explained it and kind of talking specifically about what he can do and what he could do and what he's shown to be able to do, gives Arsenal that push, if you know what I mean. I mean, one of the things you pointed to there, which I think is like almost forgotten about because we're all so like, um, built around recency biases at the start of the season, Arsenal were never going to get top four. It wasn't mm. even on the cards. So for for them to get that close, the only reason it hurt was because you actually because he put you in that position. I think yeah, exactly. people sort of forget the 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 idea that if it wasn't for Arteta, you would have finished fifth or sixth anyway, or seventh or eighth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he put you in the in, in fourth spot. That then shows that. Coaching wise, maybe he wasn't quite ready for it personally. Maybe the team wasn't quite ready for it personally. Now it will show whether they've learned from last season or not. If if it goes and happens again, I don't think it will. I, I personally back Arsenal to finish fourth uh, this season. But again, so much can still happen. I don't know what what United will do in the window. I don't know what uh, Chelsea will do in the window. I uh, still think Spurs have more business to do. That's kind of like the half worry that I have for Arsenal is that if the other three sides go and spend stupidly, um, mm. then you've got a mountain to climb. But that is kind of what the Premier League is at the moment. Everyone spends money and it's just a case of whoever can spend it the best in inverted commas. Let's finish the show uh, by taking some questions from the chat box. Um, if you have indeed got a question that you'd like to throw in for the last five minutes, we're going to go for a quick fire round uh, of answering some. Uh, Marcus says, Liverpool's Coutinho sale was the key coupled with Klopp's arrival. Who are the final pieces that Arsenal need to get top four? Oof, uh, good question. I would say um, possibly... I see, this is the thing. This is another thing. I don't want to like downbeat Arsenal fans on their signing. The same yeah. for yourself. Um, but the signings that Arsenal have made don't strike me like the Liverpool ones did. So Gabriel yeah, Jesus yeah. strikes me as like an upgrade on what you have. Is he the upgrade that you need to compete for a title? That's mm. the, the the difference between that is. Huge. Is he more like the Sadio Mane kind of signing from Southampton at that time to take possibly, you to that next step? Yeah. possibly. But I think when we signed Sadio Mane. Uh, we hadn't seen the best of him. I think yeah. Jesus, we might have seen the best of him in little short bursts. Mm. And that's where I come to the whole finished article debate of where you can sign some of these really good players, but if they're not the finished article, then you probably won't get close to the title um, like that. But it's patience. Patience is the biggest thing. Um, mm. And that's the hardest thing in football I'm telling now. you to be patient. <laughs> yeah, so um, who are the final pieces to get top four? I think... A, really top level center back a really top level center mid unless you can keep party fit because i think he is top level um 
and a really top level striker. Mm. So those those three things in the current market are incredibly difficult to find. Yeah, very difficult indeed, which I think is why Arsenal have gone down the road trying to find players who could potentially become those. Yeah. Um, as we've seen, when, you know, with Gabriel White, Saliba, all very young, uh, even in midfield, you know, bringing in someone like Lukonga, you don't think he's going to reach that level. But Partey is of a world-class level if he's fit, and that's always the big question with, with Partey. Yeah. Um, MIL Reaction says, top four and no trophy or finish eighth behind Spurs, win the Europa League and the FA Cup? Think, think of it from an Arsenal perspective. What would you go for? Uh, top four, no trophy, finished eighth behind Spurs with Europa. <sighs> so Europa gets you Champions League qualification. I, I personally would go for the latter. I know it means mm. finishing behind Spurs, but Europa gets you Champions League and FA Cup builds the idea that you can win things. Um, I think top four in, in that particular scenario is overrated. Mm. The only thing holding me back is Spurs, but... It's really difficult. I'm not an Arsenal yeah. fan, so I don't. That I don't does care, mean Spurs really. finish seventh, you know. So yeah, they go into the conference, which I, <laughs> I kind of like in a weird way. Yeah. Obviously, there'd be big questions about why the hell did Arsenal finish eighth? Who was finishing above them? That sends off red flags. But you know, Europa League and FA FA Cups, two trophies, and you're qualifying for the Champions League. So I think the latter is probably the more sensible of the two. Uh, King says, Tom, if we only get Jesus, Rafinha, and Martinez. Is that enough or does Arsenal need as well to bring in a centre mid uh, to kind of compete and keep Xhaka? Do you think that Jesus, Rafinha, Martinez, if those three come into the team, is that enough for Arsenal to, to you know, complete their top or their Champions League aim for next season? Well, well that's where I would pause because even you were struggling to finish the end of that because yeah. it's it's what is enough. To me, enough would be finishing top four. As an Arsenal fan, if you sign them three um, mm. and potentially kept Xhaka, I think that's enough to get top four. Uh, but it, it really depends on what you want. Do you want more than top four? Because then those three guys are not going to get you more than top four. They might get you third, but they're not going to get you in the top two. Uh, Louis says, uh, do you think Arsenal will be able to manage the pressure of decisive games this season? To me, that's where we lost top four. And even though we blame players' ages, I think Arteta did not handle them necessarily well. I think, you know, the North London derby, his team selection with Tomiyasu on the left and Cedric to deal with Son and on the on the Arsenal's right was a big error. The Man City game, the heads went, you know, after the after we conceded and Xhaka gave away that penalty, although I thought the performance in that game was really good. Do you think that is where Arsenal lost it? Because I kind of think Arsenal lost it more so in the games against Brighton, Southampton and um, and Crystal Palace in that weird run that we had. I think you lost it when it comes back to the point I was saying earlier. Aside from ages, the quality of players you have, mm. this is Xhaka is probably the primary example. When Xhaka has an average game, people are like, oh my God, he's absolutely shit. Pardon my language. Um <laughs> Um, when he has a good game, people are like he's world class. But the reality is, Jack is a twenty million pound footballer, so he is yeah. going to be great for ten games. He's going to be average for ten games. He's going to be awful for ten games, and he's going to be a mixed bag for the other eight. That is what you get out of a, a player that is worth twenty million. Now, flip that to say my club Liverpool. If I'm looking at say Van Dijk, and in a season he is superb for thirty-seven games, and he has one bad game, I can understand that because he's mm. worth that type of money. So I think having like the idea that it's because of Arteta all the time, certainly the Spurs game in selection was very left field and he got that wrong. It's only normal. But I think generally speaking, the inconsistencies come from age, but then also players who are just at the middle level of quality. That is going to happen. 
Rambo, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. I think you've tackled a lot of Arsenal-related questions brilliantly well and given us plenty of insight on the Liverpool side of things too. Uh, Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Uh, Well, I'm at RamboFY on uh, all platforms. And we've got a very exciting month, actually. I'm going to New York next month uh, doing some stuff in motorsports, which will be very exciting, Uh, meeting a few celebrities. And then, um, yeah, then then it's football season. Then we get to go again on Sky. And I'm doing the transfer window, actually. Uh, So uh, if you want plenty of insight on Arsenal and all the other transfers, then uh, that is the place to find me and that is the place to go. Thank you for having me on as well, man. Of course. My pleasure, my pleasure. Make sure you go and give Rambo a follow on Twitter at RamboFYI on Twitter and, of course, uh, on YouTube and TikTok as well. We will see you tomorrow morning back bright and early, as usual, for the 8 a.m. transfer update show. Thank you for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video if you've subscribed. Do subscribe, of course. I mean, if you haven't done, I don't know why you subscribe again. You get completely what I'm saying. Um, But thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.